The text that you are about to hear is by Charles Olavois. To find out more about this Canadian author and his previous books, visit www.charlesolevois.com. This episode is from Goodbye Philippines, a collection of short stories. The book are a fictional construction of exchanges between the author and people living in the Philippines, overseas workers, and Filipino expats. Goodbye Philippines, a podcast collection of short stories by Charles O. Levois. Through Facebook conversations, George, the narrator of Goodbye Philippines, gets glimpses of Filipino lives in the Philippines and among expatriates and overseas foreign workers. As he discovers the sufferings of the younger generation, he is often reminded of the disparity between the deprivations and emotional angst of his youth. On one trip to the Philippines, he is hospitalized in delirium and dependent on local care until he is well enough to fly home. On his return, he shuts everyone out, including Lando, the youth in the Philippines whose college education he paid for. After a long silence, his protege reaches out and the two briefly reunite online. The bond between them is poignant and Lando's longing for a father's substitute is palpable. Will George choose to pull away? Read by Warren Carey and music by Angelico Dayo, executive producer Charles O. Lavoie. Chapter 14 The Starting Point The following is an abridged story from Goodbye, Philippines. Every two or three weeks, George and Apin Ineres meet in the same cafe at Uptown Mall in Victoria, where both men lived. When Apin asked what his friend was up to, George said he was working on a new book. Is this one about Filipinos too? George nodded. Why always Filipinos? I like your country, George replied. Well, at least someone will say something nice about the Philippines, Apin remarked. Why do you say that? George asked, puzzled by the sad expression on his friend's face. You only hear bad news from the Philippines. If it's not a typhoon, it's Duterte comparing himself to Hitler. When I chat with people on Facebook, they don't talk politics, George replied. I hear a lot about broken phones, though, he added with a laugh. Do they ask for money? Of course, George replied. Just this week I got a request from two different people. Who? Apin reacted. None of your relatives, I assure you, George said, patting Apin's arm. Did you send them money? Of course not. Good, Apin said. What was the reaction when you said no? It is as if they have to push the money button. I'm a foreigner, right? George responded. I told the last online supplicant, like you, I was poor as a child. What did they say? I got a thumbs up, George replied, laughing heartily. Mind you, I always had three square meals a day. My siblings and I ate lots of rice. There was no electricity. His expression both grave and distant, the man across the table metamorphosed into a stranger, replacing the man called the pin, 
whom George had known for more than ten years, and with whom he had shared meals in Canada as well as in the Philippines. How many children in your family? Me included, twelve, a pin replied. Before going to school, my siblings and I had to get pails of water from the river. The sixty-year-old had retreated to his past, to the person he was more than half a century ago, George thought. He decided to do what he always ended up doing online when chatting with Filipinos, an interview. He asked, You grew up on a farm, right? Our father worked in Iloilo, at the Central Philippine University, Apin replied. Doing what? George asked. Clerical work, Apin replied. When he was home for vacation, he would work in the fields. Did he grow rice? George inquired. He made tuba that he would sell to neighbors. I had my share of poverty too, George interjected. George's father was good both at making money and at throwing it around. When he died of a heart attack at 46, he left behind a penniless wife and six children between the ages of six and 19. George was 13 at the time. He immersed himself in books. Meanwhile, Yanetta's children were lacking the very basics, including protein in their diet. Feeling embarrassed about what had not happened to him half a century ago, George asked, Life must have been hard for your mother, raising all of you on her own. Mom did all the cooking for us and made stuff that one of us would take to neighbors to sell. She was inventive. By now, George knew quite well how the Anettis family had survived, through hard work and sticking together, both in the Philippines and later in Canada. Apin didn't ask, how did you and your siblings survive? A question in that sense came from the young painter, Sonny Versaza, who, like so many others, had never talked about wanting to leave his hometown of Iloilo. How did you become a writer, Sir George? he asked one day. My maternal grandmother was a storyteller, George replied. Images started coming back. He was eight or nine years old and sitting next to his grandmother, almost at her feet, as she rocked slowly in a high-backed wooden rocker. To make sure that he was paying attention, the old woman would regularly touch his arm, as if to wake him up. During the night, my grandmother would hear a knock on the wall behind the head of the bed. She'd claim it was her dead sister turning the pages of a prayer book. Did you believe it? Sonny asked. Her younger sister had died of meningitis at a young age. After she washed her baby sister's dead body, his grandmother had dressed her in her best clothes for the wake. My grandmother used to say, She was there, just as you're here, in front of me. The creaking of the floorboards, the grey, opaque stockings, the gentle pressure of the liver-spotted hand on his arm. George had neglected the memory for decades, but it reappeared. The memory hadn't disappeared. It was in hiding. You are blessed to have a grandmother like her, Sonny remarked. I became a professional dreamer, <laughs> George commented. Lying in bed at night, he would embellish his grandmother's stories, populating them with his own colors, voices, and sounds. 
Enough about me, George said abruptly. Tell me about you, Sonny. What do you want to know? You're a painter, right? Who do you consider the best painter in the Philippines? Oh, it would be Amarsolo for me. George googled the artist. After a quick look at Amarsolo's works, he asked, What do you like about this painter? He has amazing works on the Philippine rural life. I'm surprised, George remarked. Based on your Facebook posts, you're what I would call an urban painter. The bouncing dots in the messenger field indicated that Sonny was typing. It seemed to last a long time. But George waited. A message finally came in. Rural scenes are my first love. Then I began to love downtown Iloilo because of the architecture of the buildings and the chaotic but harmonious beauty of the streets. Later on, the two subjects became very symbolic to me. The country represents my mother, whose life revolved in the country, and the city, my father who grew up as a city vagabond. These two subjects are very personal to me. Sorry for a very long explanation. Don't be sorry. Words are my life. And mine too. Do you write poems too, sir? I used to, but not any more, George replied. He asked, Do you write? Yes, that's my second love. For my first solo exhibit in October, I'm incorporating poetry and short essays. You wrote that your father was a city vagabond. Can you explain that? My father grew up in the slums. I wrote an essay published in the Philippine Daily Inquirer's Young Blood section. Can I read it? Seconds later, George received a photo clip of a three-page essay. When he had finished reading it, he messaged the author, who was still online. You write in a lively manner. Thank you, sir. I could see through your eyes. You are a child. I can feel love underneath the words. You read people well. <laughs> Thank you, George said. Thank you. My main material is my childhood memories, Sonny wrote. Childhood stays in us all through our life. It's amazing how when you are young, you think about the future, and when you are old, you think about the past, Sonny messaged. That reminds me of something I read years ago. What, sir? At the end, we reconnect with what we come from and what made us, George typed. At the end of his life, my father had always his knees bent, Sonny messaged. He followed with, like when he was in his mother's womb. Thanks for sharing this, George commented. He was impressed with his interlocutor's intuition and sensibility. Welcome, sir. That reminds me about a poem I read when I was in college, George wrote, feeling pensive. What did it say? It's vague in my memory. I'll find the exact quotation for you. Sonny reacted with a thumbs-up sticker. Through a variety of keywords, George was able to locate the poem by T.S. Eliot. He took a screenshot and posted it on his Facebook timeline. After tagging Sonny Versaza, he wrote, this follows our discussion about starting points. With the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, we shall not cease from exploration. 
and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. T.S. Eliot, Little Gidding Thank you for listening to this chapter of Goodbye Philippines. Here are some questions from the author, and here are some thoughts to ponder. 1. Do you think of your childhood once in a while, often, or never? What's your nicest memory? If you were not happy as a child, now that you are older, can you say why? 2. Does childhood influence a person forever? 3. If you were an artist, how would you represent your childhood? Would this be a landscape? Or games with friends or someone you particularly loved? We'd love to hear from you. To share your thoughts and your answers to the questions, email charlesolavoie at gmail.com. Want to receive updates about future episodes of Goodbye Philippines? Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Also, feel free to share the link to this episode with your friends and on social media. If you love Goodbye Philippines, check out www.charlesolavoie.com for info on Charles's other published works. A link is provided in the description. Until next time.